Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Listening live to Kings of Non Sequitur, the off season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. Here with you live on a Sunday night, April the 30th, 2017. I'm Jay. I did that last show. I'm Dre, and my co host is Jay, and he's not here at the moment. Hopefully, he's on his way. Uh, we rescheduled the show from a few nights ago, so wouldn't surprise me if he maybe lost track of time, lost track of which day. Because we do tend to do that here at IMLD, flip days, depending on who's available, who's a healthy go and who's a scratch because of their health. I'm the one who's a scratch because of my health. It is all my fault. I take the blame. I came down with a very, very nasty cold last week that kept me out of work for a whole week, much less off the show on Thursday night when we originally planned to do this. But I am back. I am healthy, relatively healthy. My voice is probably... 95% of what it normally is, and that is a major upgrade over what it would have been Thursday night if I'd have tried to do the show. It probably wouldn't have been more than 50%. But here I am, full-throated for the most part, and ready to break down the NFL Draft this year, 2017. This is our NFL Draft Aftermath show, whether Jay shows up or not. I sure hope he shows up. Um what a wild draft it was in Philadelphia this year and what a wild presentation it was probably wild no matter which network you were watching whether it was NFL Network or ESPN but NFL Network is the uh, network that I covered and there were a lot of uh, interesting developments uh, with that telecast we we don't usually talk about the later rounds we don't uh, first of all we usually schedule our draft aftermath for after the first round or after the second round, uh, second night, second and third round at the latest. That's when we usually schedule our show. So we truly don't care about day three of the draft, four, rounds four through seven. But being homesick, I checked out some of the draft on day three, and I'm going to talk to Jay about it uh, when he makes the show, if he ever makes it. But I can't believe how compelling, I don't know if that's the right word, I can't believe how interested I was in watching the draft, obviously not because of the players being called at that point, rounds four through seven, I've probably heard of five or six of the guys drafted on day three total, all right, so obviously I wasn't watching uh, to see who was getting drafted, but there's something about the presentation and how they were trying to straddle the line between keeping it serious, really breaking down what was being done, because as we know, teams get built in those uh, later rounds. You find anybody that can contribute to your team in round four through seven, and that probably means you have 
uh, well, I shouldn't say you have a, a, a solid team. You might have a crappy team because your first three rounds might have crappy picks and then your four through sevens get a chance to play. But uh, on good teams, I'll say that on championship contending teams, those guys in rounds four through seven have to contribute somewhat. It can't be uh, as, as perfect of a, of a fairyland uh, story it would be. You can't have a, a championship contender made up of nothing but first and second round picks because they don't all pan out like that ever. No team is that great at drafting. Uh, the Patriots come close, but it, it, it doesn't work that way. Every solid team, every solid contender has to have players pan out in those middle rounds and late round draft picks. So I know what I'm watching has a little importance. I also know it's a little silly to put too much importance on them because we don't know who's going to pan out out of, out of those picks. You can break them down all you want. But there was a way that NFL Network was covering it that straddled the line between here's our old crusty guy, Mike Mayock, really digging in and breaking down and trying to figure out who these guys are, who's a good pick, who's a good player, who pops on the tape, as he likes to say a lot. Um, uh, Daniel Jeremiah joining in uh, on, on doing that with him, really digging in, getting serious about it. And at the same time, keeping it light and airy and entertaining because a lot of the, the, the presentations of the picks were coming from remote locations. They were going off to the Grand Canyon. They were going to uh, uh, the zoo very, very famously. The Indianapolis Zoo got a lot of pub and, and a specific orangutan got a lot of pub and Mike Mayock didn't really care for it very much, but it was compelling. It, it made you interested. And I think the mistake that's been made all these years is to make it too serious and assume that anyone fanatic enough to tune in and watch day three of the NFL draft. And obviously it didn't always, it wasn't always three days of, of coverage. They didn't always spread it out like that, but they've assumed that anyone crazy enough to be tuning into the late rounds of the draft like that must really care about the players and must really care about football, 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 and all football-y football. And so they go into it pretty much straight ahead with, with no inter entertainment, no attempted entertainment. What NFL Network did by having these picks be made uh, on remote and, and with all these different guest uh, players, and sometimes it wasn't players, sometimes it was kids, uh, sometimes it was – it's the NFL, so they couldn't help themselves. Sometimes it was – the kids of like deceased officers in whatever area that they were, uh, that the team was drafting, um, you know, they, they can't help it. They have to get a little piece of that sort of maudlin, uh, we feel for you. Therefore we're garnering some of that goodwill, uh, for us, for ourselves as well. They, they do that all the time. And at this point, I don't even necessarily begrudge them because they can't help it is what they do. Uh, but that was not the prevailing way that they did those late round picks with uh, kids of dead parents and stuff like that. Mostly it was upbeat, entertaining, different, crazy team mascots jumping up and, and down in the background, team cheerleaders waving their pom-poms and smiling. Um, it, it was uh, It was different. And they did it in a way, like I said, that actually made you keep tuning in. And it was maybe the, maybe I was on too many medications. Maybe I was, uh, you know, cabin fever, all all those different things. 
uh, might have come into play. But the way they presented rounds four through seven actually made me feel like um, I, I couldn't turn away because I was, I guess I was interested in where the next pick was coming from. If this one came from the Grand Canyon, where's the next one coming from? Oh, look, they're at a zoo. Uh, oh my gosh. I, I, I don't even want to know what, where the next pick is coming from and, and who the, who's going to be the next presenter. Uh, then you get the, the whole Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys sort of blood war that developed as well in the middle of the draft uh, with Drew Pearson coming out and, and making all Eagles fans feel terrible about themselves and pumping up the Cowboys and basically going completely WWE heel as, as I believe Deadspin called it. And it was, that's very accurate. That's 100% accurate. Uh, but he, he, he went all the way with it. You, you're going to boo me. Okay. I'm going to do all I can to bring on the booze and encourage it. And that's entertaining in its, in it, in itself, you know, we elected a president uh, a, f- a few months ago because we were entertained by somebody going full heel and insulting our intelligence. But hey, he's entertaining, so I'll vote for him. Uh, plus, he doesn't have a, a pussy like the other one, and we can't vote for her no matter what. Um, I'm going to take a second to text Jason right now and see if he's aware that there's a show going on right now. Because um, usually he's texted me and let me know. I know there's a show and I'm late, but uh, we're, we're on the air 10 minutes now, basically, and no word at all from him. We have a show right now, you know. We are live. No, not we are love. We are live. <laughs> Although I think if I sent We Are Love, I think he would have known what that means because I don't send anything else that sounds like that. I think you would have figured that out. Um, and then another remnant of, of my illness, excuse me, while I cough. Um, and trust me when I tell you, last week I could not have spoken for 10 minutes straight without coughing. It was impossible. My throat was not at this power. I would have been speaking much lower uh, as far as my my pitch goes, I couldn't even get up this high. This isn't high, but it's it's a lot higher than I could get uh, a few days ago. So uh, I'm recovered just in time. It's the pretty much the only time I could have done a show. Uh, last night I was hurting because of a different situation. After the sickness, my my ankle started swelling, getting a little you know arthritis and some bone spurs and whatnot because I am an old man after all. Um. So I, I guess I could have done the show last night, but I would have been hurting a lot more than I am right now. My my foot is feeling better right now. And we couldn't have done the show next week at all because tomorrow morning, uh, my wife and I are leaving for Florida. We are going to Pensacola and renting a condo for a week and won't be available to do a, a podcast at that point. So this was uh, Jason's suggestion Sunday night. Uh, and it, fit perfectly for me because it's when my voice is finally recovered and also when my uh, foot is, is good enough where I could concentrate on the show. Um, and I'm sitting there, I got my, my little drink for when my throat really goes out, which is going to be a lot earlier than I thought because I'm doing the show with no partner at the moment. Um, 
and I have all my notes from the basically from the first night of the draft is, is most of my notes, like two or three or four observations from the the second and third night and and afternoon of the draft. But mostly, it was the first night uh, that I had all these notes for not each pick. A couple of the picks didn't really do anything for me, like whatever. But small observations on uh, most of the picks. Before the draft started, I guess I'll get started on the show without Jason. Um, and if he joins me later, then that'll be great. And I'll double back on some of these points that I was uh, bringing up here. And by the way, if you want to help out and call in with your draft observations or thoughts, the phone number here, as always, is area code 646-595-4534. And if you're listening to this live, then you must be on blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. And therefore, the phone number to call in is right there on your screen, as always. And if you are joining us live, God bless you. Um, and if you want to help a brother out and call in, you're more than welcome. Uh, the very first observation or oh. <laughs> there there's my partner with the with the tag oops <laughs> forgot we had a show tonight did you yeah i was in bed <laughs> i'm literally laying i'm literally laying in bed oh my god and my phone goes off you're like you know we have a show right now i was like oh no oh no oh no yeah well i've had i've had a pretty rough day here i don't I I don't know yeah. what's going on. I'm a, I'm having like some kind of like allergic reaction to something, so I'm sitting here and like Ooh. my hands are all swollen and my feet are all swollen, and I'm like I have no idea what's uh what what's causing this. So, oh wow, I'm, I'm having some kind of allergy um right now. But I always get allergies this time of year. I've never quite had it to this level though, where it like it hurts to walk. So so I'm like limping through the house, running down the stairs with the laptop. Uh, I did get on the show in record time, though. <laughs> well, that's that's good. That's a good sign, I guess. From, yeah, um, from the moment you sent me that text to now, I, I got on that show pretty quick. Yeah, that's only about a, a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, do you you don't you do you usually get allergies where you're swelling up at all? Because that's like that that doesn't sound like allergies in the air. That sounds like food allergies or something. Yeah, not like this. No, this is this is a first. So. If I go if so I go I'm into playing... any kind of a shock or anything like that, you may want to call nine one one for me during the show here. <laughs> so I, I was playing very hurt all week, and, and I'm finally feeling better. And now you're definitely playing hurt. Uh, man, the, the sacrifices we make for this show for you, That's the listener. Right. <laughs> uh, boy, uh, so is there anywhere you'd prefer to begin, or are you just so out of it? Do you want me to sort of lead the way, or how do you want to do it? No, I'm I'm good. Uh, you know, we got the draft show here. I watched almost the whole draft. I watched almost the whole first night, most of the second day, and you know, the third day of of the draft is really just such a whirlwind. Anyways, you don't really have to watch because they're just basically at, at, at you're at that point where they're just throwing picks up on the screen, going, "Yeah, here are the last five guys picked." Or, yeah, that's how ESPN and, does it. That's yeah. true. Yeah, and or or now we're gonna cut to uh, now we're gonna cut to talk about a guy who was picked two rounds ago. We're just finally gonna get around to talking about it. So, um, you know, normally we do a first round uh, recap show, uh, just because that's usually where most of the drama is. And, and 
and as it would be, that's where, where most of the drama and action was this time. I, I will say my experience this year with the first round was a little unique because I did an hour on TV, hour, hour 15 on TV, then an hour on radio, and okay. then finished up back on TV again. But it was, unfortunately, all ESPN, um, <laughs> both the radio and the TV. I preferred the radio call. I actually liked the group that they had on the radio uh, more than the group that they had on TV. I'm trying to remember. The group that they have on TV is always sort of grab-ass and playful and let's try to be joking and entertaining. And then we have the, the old man uh, stuck in the corner there uh, with the hair. Um Yeah. So and so the radio version I would assume is a little, a little more serious and a little more straightforward and a little bit more analytical. You know, where they're actually do, yep. you know they're they're not trying to ham anything up. Uh, on the TV side, uh, we we had joked and speculated about who would be the the lead person now that Berman's gone, and of all the all the ways they could have gone, they ended up going with Trey Winko. Uh, which has to be the safest, most boring. Uh, I understand he hosts the NFL um, live show during the season for them, but they totally played it safe. And I, I, I don't think it added anything other than he's, you know, he he's clearly knows how he runs a table all year on a show that's NFL based, but he, he did nothing. His jokes were flat. I mean, he oh man! It, it, anytime he tried to, to to lighten up the mood or pull a joke or anything like that, it it just just like oh, it wasn't even like a Berman groan. It was more like a oh, that's just so sad that you're even trying kind of thing. <laughs> the jokes are always so flat. They were they were pretty they were pretty just awful. I mean, if you didn't think he was trying to make a joke, you probably wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, that's, that's Trey Wingo. That's when I think of Trey Wingo. That, that's him. Yeah, the radio crew, a uh, little like I said, the radio crew is a little more professional. I'm gonna try and remember who the guys were here and go over it. I believe the the lead guy was was Dari Noka, was the guy leading the group. He was the host. Okay. And then they had um, they had Bill Polian. They uh, had uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Polian, Canty. Man. Yeah, Chris Canty was there. Okay. And there was another guy there whose name is escaping me at the moment, but the group the the four of them together did did a did a respectable job for making the draft sound exciting. And you know what that is something of all the sporting events or things that we talk about. It plays as well on radio as it does on TV. Because the only thing that you're right. missing are are the highlight packages. That's really all you're right. missing. They're still giving you the breakdowns. They're still telling you who's who. They'd still cut in with Bell Kuyper to give it to to give the analysis of the guys. So they had that all pre-recorded and they'd play that right away. Um, so the, so that was sort of my experience from the audio visual perspective of it. You know, the actual media side of it. Um, I didn't hate it as much as I usually would have had Berman been there, but I found it boring and sad. 
it, it, it almost it, it almost feels like we don't need to have this be the thing anymore. We'll have to come up with something different for our our March badness, you know, um, winner loser situation for our little contest for that because it, it's this didn't really feel like like it was being you know anybody was losing anything. It was just like oh, okay, I'm watching the draft. You know, it's not like, oh, God, I'm watching the draft. I have to count how many times somebody says juice in the first four hours or or how many bad Berman jokes we end up having. This was this was just very, very workmanlike, very dull, very, very dull, very boring. But that's so an upgrade that, 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 over what you with the Berman telecast. Yeah, I wasn't groaning. I wasn't like, oh, right. you know, I wasn't I wasn't hating life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. That's, that's good. I'm happy for you, actually. You didn't have to Thank sit through a, a terrible, terrible telecast like we usually have to do with Berman. But don't forget, uh, I still NFL... have the money in the bank. I'm still holding on to that money in the bank. Oh, jeez. going to lord it over my head. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the NFL network coverage was normal, what it normally is. Uh what I was actually commenting on uh, in the in the minutes uh, that I was doing the show solo there was Sorry. I was and it might it might be the the medication that I was on trying to get over my illness it might be cabin fever I don't know exactly what but NFL Network actually managed to make and I don't usually watch day three of the draft at all but I was sitting there in the house not able to really move uh, due to the illness and and then a, a swollen ankle on top of that so. I was I wasn't hostage because you're you know we have 900 channels of course, but I found myself watching day three of the draft. NFL Network did it in a way that actually made it. I don't want to use the word compelling, but kind of interesting. Like it wasn't just the worst thing in the world watching these names come off that no one's ever heard of. I still never heard of the names, but they did it in a way uh, I don't know if you've seen anything about it cuz it kind of it, it made deadspin um and it, it made a little bit of national news some of the silly things that they were doing for these picks uh like they weren't uh they weren't going to the podium on stage in Philadelphia for any of the picks they were going to remote locate they were all uh, on remote every team had a different place that decided to do from a different location like the bears were at, at Hallett's Hall cuz they're they're the bears and they're boring. Um, but other people like the Cardinals did it out in, in, in the grand Canyon. Um, what made news on Deadspin was in the Indianapolis Colts did it from the Indianapolis zoo. And what they did was <laughs> they, they had somebody read up and, and get ready for it with the, whatever pick the, the Indianapolis Colts select. And then they yeah. went to an orangutan cage and the oh. orangutan had been trained to touch screen this this screen right in front of them. And when they went to cue the orangutan, and, and and she did it every time, she touched the screen, and whatever the name was of the pick popped up on the screen. And it was actually kind of wow. cool. Okay, I, I almost, didn't catch much of that. And it almost made you want to. Uh, like I said, the compelling is the wrong word, but I did find myself like wanting to keep watching to see yep. what the next team was going to do. Like, how, how are they going to make it interesting? And and they mixed that, I guess, perfectly with the serious because whatever crazy way to lead up to that pick, 
as soon as the actual pick was made, they boom right to uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah or old man Mike Mayock sure. to actually break down the pick. <laughs> Did so Mike Mayock was, need his nap? Did Mike Mayock Mike, need his nap by the last day? Oh my God, Mike Mayock actually was he bringing it. He actually said a few times, and I don't think he was joking. If we go back out to that zoo, I'm walking. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said that. Uh oh. No, I'm laughing. That was a laugh cough. You made me yeah. laugh so hard I coughed. Um, the only thing that see, now that you've no, I, I didn't, and I this is what's weird about that day three ESPN coverage was I was catching none of this except for a couple of times. I'd see, I'd look up because I was working on Saturday, so my attention span towards the draft was. 50 50 um mm -hmm. i'd look up and they'd all of a sudden there'd be some like little kid reading the pick and i'm like where okay. is this kid <laughs> um, but now that you've explained this concept to me this just opens up so many possibilities like were the vikings on a yacht on lake minnetonka oh that would have been a very very uh not not, not very politically correct way to do that oh hey hey okay. Oops. Where they actually were, no, I believe one of their picks, they were actually in fucking Norway. They actually went to real Vikings and had them read it in, like <laughs> Thor and, and Ragnar and all that. They actually, I'm serious. <laughs> I think they actually had real Vikings introduce one of their picks. So, so even they, the they NFL went all over the globe. That, even the NFL realizes that day three of the draft is a total joke. Right, but they did it in a way that actually made me want to keep watching. And I think that's incredible it was somewhat classy and a joke I, I like that well what i also was talking about before you came on was how they also couldn't resist getting some of the the feel good feel sorry for them so feel sorry for us because the nfl is really good at that because uh one of those picks was read by there was some cop that got killed in new york recently and so one of the picks was read by by her kids or something like that oh uh, so boy they they couldn't help it they couldn't resist you know we we gotta slurp up to to the law and to the military we always do that and now we get a real we really get a chance to do it by slurping up to a, a dead cop's kids and make ourselves look really good by doing that. So, they, you know, I almost don't blame them for that because it's it's what they do. Okay. <laughs> um, so back to the first night of the draft. Uh, the big story, of course, before the draft was this kid, uh, Garyon Connolly, who had been arrested uh -huh. a few days ago, a few days before the draft. Uh, not arrested, I shouldn't say that. Uh, charged or accused in uh, Cleveland, accused, Ohio, of yeah. sexual assault. Yeah, so it hadn't even gotten to the police uh, arresting him. I don't know if there's a, an open investigation or not, but a woman in Cleveland ha uh, accused his uh, potential first-round draft pick of sexual assault. And everyone assumed that his stock was just going to go flying and no one's going to take a chance on him while this is open because there's no way anyone knows what's going to happen with him. He might be charged. He might be arrested. He may never have freedom. And why would you waste a draft pick uh, on somebody whose, you know, situation is that open and that fluid. And before he was picked, I wrote this down before he even got picked or before anyone knew he might get picked on the first night. I, I was wondering that why is it 
just because PR says that his stock has to drop. Why does it have to drop? I might be a really terrible guy for saying it. He's dog shit, but Greg Hardy gets another chance. Really? Why does his stock have to drop just because he might have raped somebody? When do we start caring that people get raped and abused and brutalized in the NFL? It happens all the time, but if you can play, we're clearly okay with it. I know you agree with me on this, that if Ray Rice could still play, he would have been re-signed after the whole knock his bitch out in an elevator situation. He didn't oh, get re-signed because he didn't play football anymore. Correct. So it's all about can you play. I was very discomforted with the thought that this kid, Yarian Conley's draft stock would be that wildly effective. He's a first-round talent. He's a first-round talent. And I don't care if he murdered somebody. Why are we caring or pretending to care that he may have sexually assaulted somebody if he's a first-round talent, just draft him there and, and let the chips fall where they may, which, as it turned out, is what wound up happening. Yeah, he still went, you know, first round. I believe he went to the Raiders. Yeah, go figure. I mean, if anybody's going to draft a guy who's an alleged rapist, it, it would be the Raiders. Yep. <laughs> that is exactly Thanks, what DJ. I <laughs> yep. No, that's exactly what everyone said when the when the Raiders made that pick. There was the, the gas, oh. there was the audible, oh, and then you saw who it was with the Raiders. You go, oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Yep, makes yeah, sense. No, you know, and, and I had been so blind to anything going on in the run-up to the draft anyways that it, this wasn't a story for me until, you know, 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock or whatever it was on Thursday night when I turned down the draft, that's when this became known by me and to me. And, you know, they put everything, they, they did, the, they put the proper things up on the screen. You know, I don't know if anything's changed since then, but that he was accused of, of rape. He passed a lie detector test. He's not been charged. You know, so all, you know, boom, 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 boom. There it is. You know, here's what you got. You, at that point, he's just accused of something. You could accuse anybody of, of anything. Um, right. He says he doesn't. He didn't do it. Cops haven't charged him with anything. Obviously, you never know. Things could change. But you know, the, obviously, the teams are out there, and the Raiders were at that point in the draft with like, well, you know, this guy is. Uh, on everyone's boards, a much better player than the 24th player in the draft. So, you know, they're 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 playing the odds that this is all going to be fine. And if it's not, oh wow, it's a wasted draft pick. Yeah, it's the the whole thought of it was that you can't waste a first round draft pick on the guy because of the situation. But later on after that, second or third, yeah, oh yeah, you can waste a draft pick on yeah. that. So it's clear but, that but it's can... not about the crime. It's clear that it's not well, about keeping a potential rapist out of the NFL. It's yeah. all about the optics of drafting him in the first round and, oh, you can't do that. But second or third, sure, you can do that. And my yeah. point is, why not the first round? If you're going to let the guy in the league anyway, clearly they let everybody in the league that does all sorts of bad things to women. But as long as they can play, it's fine. Why keep yeah. up the charade? Why bullshit us? Just go ahead and take them when you want yeah. them. There's plenty of teams that wasted draft picks in the first round. I mean, there's a team that traded up one spot to draft a quarterback at number two and then pissed away draft picks to do it. <clears throat> uh, we'll get to that later.
Um, <laughs> the, the, and I did not expect, I'm sorry, I'm just, I have to say this. I did not expect 15 minutes into the draft to be laughing at la, out loud at the television set. <laughs> so I do, I do want to thank all the runner, the, the, the team runners and the GM and all the people making the decisions and, and who made the trade and all that stuff that went down for the bears. I do want to thank them for making me laugh at the television set that early in the draft. Thank you. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't laughing. I'll just say that. You weren't laughing. I, laughing. I was laughing. I texted you right away. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, uh, from my vantage point, the NFL Network, much coordination by them to to have the the underneath tweets hyping up every guy being interviewed on the red carpet. There's a lot of, and that goes into the third day of the draft too. A lot of coordination, setting up, telecasting all of these different locations once they got a pick in, and it was a lot harder than one would think because trades were being made left and right of all these underneath picks. So you think you're going to Cleveland. Uh, with this 140 whatever pick, and uh oh, they traded that pick to the Bills. Now we got to go to Buffalo to get this pick, and they actually had it all coordinated and written out. And then it was it was a lot of work that went into this presentation all weekend long. So uh, I got to give it up. Kudos uh, to the NFL Network, to everybody that was involved with all of that. Uh, they had Carl Weathers out there, of course, on the red carpet because it's Philadelphia, and you have the whole Rocky thing. I think if Sylvester Stallone made sense and and knew the English language, they'd probably have him out there too. But since he doesn't, they were able to get Carl Weathers out there. He was pretty good. He had random questions that uh, uh, Missy Stark pulled out of his Rocky hat. He actually had the Rocky hat there from, uh, you know, was it Rocky, was it three? You know, I'm not uh, I'm not up on my Rockies. Uh, that uh, they had the whole America thing going on, the, the, the Mr. T or whatnot. Uh, so it was a little extra. It was a little bit, uh, you know, a little too cute by half. But like I said, Carl Weathers was actually decent. He actually uh, congratulated the draft prospects that he was talking to. He didn't just butter them up like Deion Sanders. He didn't, didn't just smile at him and say, God bless you, and, and a, a bunch of random words that made no sense. Uh, so he was, he was better than Deion, which isn't saying much, but there was that much. Uh, did you check out any? You, so you didn't check out any of ESPN's run up. Pretty much came right in uh, when it started. I had some of the pregame, you know, pre pregame. I had some of the pre-draft shows on. I it was so it was on, but I wasn't really watching. I, I was just right. just getting the just getting the general feel. I didn't really start paying serious attention until just maybe a few minutes right beforehand. Um, you know, I, you know. Everybody knew that the that the Browns were taking Miles Garrett at number one. There was no drama there, although they still milked the clock. They didn't just run up and make the pick because they got to let the teams talk about. They got to let the teams talk about. Uh, you know, the, the the TV crews talk about the team, talk about the pick. Um, there was plenty of drama that, if that, you follow certain NFL writers who were uh, a couple of them were swearing that it was going to be Trubisky. At number one. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, okay. it was, uh, I believe, I believe Shefty was, was one of them. I, I'll go back on his timeline, but I think he was like, like banging the table, staking his reputation that he hears that Trubisky is going to be number one to the Browns and a uh, little egg on his face. Yeah. I, it, oh, okay. 
I, I, I do hate to say this, um, but you know, they would, they would go to, to Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, right? The insiders, yeah. right? You got to go to those guys. Mort, Mort just needs to give it up. I, oh, I mean, no. I, I give him, I give him all the, all the credit for coming back after he had all the health scare and all the problems. But I mean, slurring words, mispronouncing stuff. I mean, you could oh, see dear. the enthusiasm that he had for being there and that he was trying really hard. But, um, I, I felt sad. It, it was like you were watching, it was like you were watching a punk punch drunk boxer, you know, oh. try to, try to, try to give a speech. It was really hard, uh, watching Mort. And that's sad for me because, you know, that's growing up watching Mort. When he he was yeah, the original guy too. doing this, you know he he's the he he's the original. I mean he's the model for all of these Jay Glazers and all, all these uh, wannabe Chris Mortensons. <laughs> he's sitting next to a wannabe Chris Mortensen. Yeah, exactly. In his own, you know, on his own set, he's sitting next to a wannabe Chris Mortensen. But it, it felt really bad. Um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Mort Mort retires and. Uh, we we move on because I felt I felt really bad watching him because he's he does he, he looks he you know he's lost a lot of weight looks kind of gaunt, um. Mm. He had the excitement, but the words weren't matching the enthusiasm, and I felt really bad for Bort. That's too bad. Uh, reminds me of Peter Gammons that ever since his stroke, I've been waiting for him to make sense again, and yeah. he hasn't. Uh, so that's that's too I, I bad will when that give, happens. I'm not a big I'm not a big Shefty guy. I'm not a big fan of Adam Schefter, but I will say that he was doing a good job kind of like hand holding Mort through those through those segments. Right. Um you could you could kind of see that going on. That he was kind of like keeping him on track. Um but it, yeah, that that was sort of my sad moment in the draft. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't Glad I didn't have to see that. Uh, the NFL Network set up. Uh, they made me excited for a quick second because the, they had the main desk of Rich Eisen, same de- same main desk that they usually have. Rich Eisen, uh, same Stanford head coach David Shaw. I don't know why he's there every year. I guess they have to fill a, a black quotient or something. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Old Man Mayock. They excited me because they had uh, as their secondary desk. They had three guys sitting at a table near where the team submit their picks. They were actually over there near where all the GMs and personnel were sitting there on their phones and whatnot. Uh, they had uh, Mooch, uh, Steve Mariucci, uh, Charles Davis, and old man Steve Smith, who just retired. Uh, so I thought they were going to cover, like, the moment these teams handed in their picks. Like, you would you'd be able to see the transaction, and therefore you wouldn't have to just sit there and wait for the commissioner. You'd know that the transaction has been done, and – Therefore, if the commissioner is waiting another two, three minutes after that, you know it's just for uh, to let drama build and not because they're still waiting on the pick to be handed in. But they actually didn't do that. They never actually covered the moment where the cards are being handed. They just kind of had that table there. Just I think it basically just serves as like relief for when uh, Eisen and old man Mayog want to take a, a break and eat something or something like that. And then they go to the secondary table. Um, but they, they had to set up the, maybe they'll do that in the future. Maybe, uh, some, uh, 
some producer will figure out that it, it would actually be sort of good TV if we could see the moment that the card is handed to whoever is officially in charge of getting the pick. And then we wouldn't have to just sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait and wonder when the commissioner is going to actually come out on the stage. Yeah, I, I will say that I'm glad that they've gotten away after the, the, the years where we had the cameras on the guy getting the phone call before he went up to get picked so that there was zero drama. Um, yes. That, that you know, if three, four years ago, we all would have seen Mitch Trubisky getting the phone call and it would have taken away all of my excitement at laughing at the TV. Because <laughs> it, it sort of deflates what happens when, when, when Goodell actually reads the name and you're like, oh, um, one time... I believe ESPN slipped up that whole that whole night. They had a guy on that first night where they actually cut to somebody um, as they were just kind of, I think, doing their rounds. And the guy's on the phone crying. Oh. And they're like, oops. Oh, oh. Oops. You know, and so and, and Trey Wingo <laughs> did his best to try to make it sound like there was still some suspense that, you know, well, maybe, you know, maybe he'll be the pick. Um, it, it was awkward. Um... Because they if kind of broke the, phone the, the rule. The pick, yeah. That means his grandmother just died and, and he found dead, out at yeah. the draft or something. Yeah. Either you just got drafted into the NFL or someone's dead. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Philly was as lit and rowdy as you'd expect. And uh, NFL went full yeah. Rocky. Uh, they, they commandeered the steps of the art museum where Rocky ran up the steps and, you know, iconic in the movies and whatnot. They just took that over. They just commandeered that. Like, this is ours now. We're the NFL. We can take what the fuck we want. This is ours. And everybody can go scratch. That's right. I would expect the NFL to do that. And then Roger Goodell comes out. Thank How about that reaction? Isn't that just the? Isn't that common now? Isn't the the yeah. rain of booze? Couldn't isn't hear that the thing now. It's drowned out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, nobody cheers for the commish. Did Tagliabue get booed this bad? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if any commissioner gets booed this bad, with the possible exception of like when I watch the Stanley Cup when the Blackhawks win and Gary Bettman goes out there, he gets booed about this bad. That's about it. <laughs> you know, and they could all hate Goodell or, or whatever, uh, but it's still the most popular sport and it's and it's grown. Last year it didn't grow. I mean the ratings were down. You know, you felt a little bit of a of a plateauing of the NFL's popularity. But overall you know, they they could sink in popularity for the next ten years and still be the number one sport. Yeah, uh, I'm still kind of keeping one eye open to that Mark Cuban complete collapse that he predicted a, a while ago. Like, I don't know how close we are to it, but I'm I'm not so skeptical about it anymore. If I ever was, uh, because I, I can certain things that the NFL does is sort of like okay, you really think you run the world, don't you? All right. So I, I don't know when the complete collapse is coming. And I still maintain that somewhere next decade, somewhere in the 2020s, football is not going to be played the way we, we see it play right now. There, there's going to be drastic, drastic changes to the actual game because all the research that you do about concussions all comes back to 
it's football and hitting the fuck out of each other is kind of the point of the game. And they're going to have to make right. it not the point of the game anymore in order to, to, to curtail concussion. That's the only way you can do it. Yeah. And before we get too uh, into the meat of the draft here, um, yes, I finally remembered. I finally remembered the fourth man in the radio booth was uh, John Clayton. Oh, okay. So it, it was a solid, I got to tell you my hour, my hour drive home from work was solid NFL coverage. And I, that's that's all I'll leave it at. It wasn't it wasn't flashy. Um, Bill Polian on TV, much he's much better on radio than he is on TV. I'll tell you that because on TV he looks like you know he's old and cranky and he's kind of got the Mike Mayock needs a nap thing going on. But on mm-hmm. radio with the other with all those guys, Chris Canty um, did a really good job. And so I liked that crew. Um, you know that that I know that would never be the TV crew. Be, but it was a very solid crew. So yeah, I'm glad sounds, that I got uh, to do a little bit of radio. You know, I, I'm glad I had a little radio mixed in, in that right in the middle. So the, you know, probably you know that 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 middle ten picks. All I'm driving home was what I was uh, listening to. So I think I, when I got in the car, that would have been right around the moment when. Um, the Texans uh, traded up for Deshaun Watson. Okay. So I want to say that I was in the car driving home pretty much from 12, um, 12 through 20, right around there um, was my drive. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, that sounds like a solid crew. That sounds like nobody trying to audition for the comedy store right in the middle of everything. And yeah, right. That- that's that's good. There was some co- there was some cohesion there. They, they weren't all trying to to show each other up or talk over each other. Everybody had their 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 thing. You know, they'd go to Bill Polian for the GM related stuff. Chris Canty had the slant because um, he was a player, and then you had uh, Clayton, who's sort of the insider. Uh, probably should have been on the TV. That's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, should have been doing the TV side, but I digress. I guess we can start getting into the actual draft yeah. itself. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I know you would like the floor. I'm sure you have something to say about a certain team in a certain city that you and I are very close to um, and some moves that they may have made. I'll take 20 seconds before that to cover the first pick. That's about all I got on him. But I do want to have it on record. I said I didn't like Miles Garrett campaigning to be the number one pick the way he was a few months ago. I've never really seen somebody that amped up trying to become the number one pick. Usually the guy who's the number one overall pick, it's, it's obvious he's going to be the number one overall pick, but Miles Garrett was like campaigning for it in social media. I, I'd never like that. I figure if you were that good, you should have popped on tape to be the number one overall pick. Uh, he really rallied and campaign to be number one. And then it, it didn't show up for the draft. He wasn't in Philly. He was at home. I'm sorry. That just all feels like bad signs for, for the Cleveland Browns. Once again, that that's just how I feel about him. Well, here's the thing. You look at this draft and the, we, we, I think we've, we haven't glossed. I guess we've kind of glossed over the draft in the run-up just because of the fact that this is a, it was a weak draft. There wasn't that clear number one. So if it's not him, who is it? I mean, who is the number one? Because I will tell you that 
on the on the TV side, watching through those first roughly ten picks, um, they kind of had Kuiper there talking up the pick, and Gruden, John Gruden, was there to give you all the negatives on the guys. And John Gruden had negatives on every guy. Yeah. Well, that's his thing. That very few. Uh, there were uh, there were a couple of players. I'm trying to remember who the player was, but there there was a player or two where Gruden readily admitted that he was digging for a negative on a guy. <laughs> like he had to look to find a negative. I want to say it was the kid that your Tennessee Titans picked up, um, Corey Davis. I want to say that that was one of may have been the first time where Gruden was picking somebody apart, and then just came right out and said that he was only doing it because he had to <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> okay. That's a great sign for the, uh, for the, for the Titans, I suppose. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, NFL networks grading of each pick on a one to 10 scale. And I'll say yeah. this, uh, I may be completely uh, an idiot for thinking that miles Garrett might become a buzz or might not be all that he's cracked up to be because I'm looking down the list here. I don't see anybody listed higher than a seven going down the you list of the entire first round. And then there's miles Garrett sitting there at 7.6. Uh, wow. So somebody thinks he's really worth being a first round pick. I still don't like the campaigning publicly for it, but uh, maybe he really is all that in a bag of chips. So, yeah, to your point, if not him, then who? I guess my first instinct would be to say uh, we heard Kaz. We sat there live with Kaz uh, as we met uh, the, the football fan rush radio crew in Chicago, and we heard her talk about how great the defensive backfield looked uh, down there at the Combine as she watched them live. Take one of those great DBs up there. Take uh, Have the guts to take uh, who was Jamal Adams was the first DB picked. Um, and, yep. and then Marshawn Lattimore after that, have the guts to take one of those guys first. If you didn't believe in miles Garrett, um, I don't, you know, the, the whole quarterback thing being drafted that close to number one, regardless of who's the team that traded up and, and got him, which happens to be my favorite team, regardless of who did it, it was, it's still something to laugh at. It's still a joke that any quarterback was considered number two overall in this draft because a month ago, a month ago, no one was talking about any of these quarterbacks being drafted that high in the first round. No. And three months ago, I don't know if I was hearing about too many of these quarterbacks being considered even first round picks, but something happened and it has been happening. It's a trend that's been happening in the last few years. Whoever the top quarterbacks are in the draft, as the draft gets closer somehow get better and better and better and better at football. How does that work? That's just this magical sensation that happens that the closer you get to the actual draft date, the better prospect all these quarterbacks seem. And using the NFL Network's grading system, uh, which is just one grading system and, and not meant to represent everybody else. But you remember me telling you about Miles Garrett at 76 the next pick was Mitchell Trubisky, and you'd think being the next pick in the draft, he'd be somewhere within shouting distance of 7.6, and he's not. He's at 6.3. That almost reminds me of 
my favorite stat, the the yards per attempt stat. When you have a team that's 7.6 and the next team is 6.3, that's a mismatch. 1.6 doesn't seem like a big fall off, but it is. And here's Mitchell Trubisky grading at a 6.3, shooting past all these other guys who's graded higher than him. The next two picks are both graded 6.8. Jamal Adams, the safety, was graded 6.6. Marshawn Lattimore, the cornerback, was graded 6.5. And, and here, Malik Hooker is another DB, 6.7. Jonathan Allen, the defensive end from Alabama, 6.8, but we know he had shoulder issues or whatever. But here goes Mitchell Trubisky at 6.3, shooting up the charts because he's a quarterback and because every year everyone falls in love with whoever the damn quarterback is. Yeah, I think this is the panic of these teams now. It's like something says you've got to have the quarterback. You have to, right? You just have to. You can't compete without the quarterback. I mean, partially true. You know, we we look at the Houston Texans. We wouldn't have the New England Patriots as Super Bowl champs if the Texans had a serviceable NFL quarterback because Houston – went into New England and had that team on the ropes. I mean, they were mm. dominating the Patriots defensively. And all they needed to have was a league average quarterback guiding their offense. No, instead they had the drizzling shits, Brock Osweiler, um, leading their but even team. So, but even so, does that really compel you to go running out and finding whoever the next quarterback prospect is and saying, oh, my God, we have to have him because if we don't, we might be the next team to pay $72 million to Brock Osweiler. I, the fear of failing like that, it's, it's not worth it to me. It's just not worth it. It doesn't compel me or you. Ugh. But these are the, these people's, the, these, the people who we're talking about are the people whose jobs depend on it. So the reaching for the quarterbacks has become Even the more new reason thing. reason not to reach. Uh, exactly. You know. Even more reason. Because so, now this Trubisky kid, no pressure, kid. No pressure at all. If he bombs in the yeah. next couple of years, Ryan Pace oh, is done. Boy. Ryan Pace is going to be in his early 40s and yeah. done in football. Finish. Right. And this is not a situation where he has been drafted into a position of, of – you know, apprenticeship. Everyone's going to say all the right things about Mike Glennon is our quarterback, but we, I mean, you and I both know the city of Chicago. And that, exactly. You and I know that city that we know the city. We know the media. We know the fans. Mitch Trubisky is going to be everyone's favorite quarterback until he starts taking meaningful snaps under center. And then whoever's backing him up will be, the most, you know, the, the 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 favorite son in the city, the, the the Chicago cannot root for their starting quarterback. It's in their DNA that Bear fans have to root for the second or the third string quarterback. I, I, well, I, this well, maybe this is that this is that. Was well, Renard that just Cubs, uh, yeah. sitting there at, at, yeah. at our at our little? to get together still sort of pining yeah. for whoever the third stringer was and David that, fails didn't David get his fair shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this is the Cubs mentality. This was the old Cubs before they were good, won the World Series mentality that they were just waiting for that guy to come up from the farm, right? You know, we're going to be great when 
when this guy comes up and then the guy comes up and he's a bust and then they go on to waiting for the the next guy oh we got this guy coming up you know where is you Felix can see that a little bit oh Kevin Ori uh where oh the the Bears fans are the same way with their quarterbacks and so the media and the fans it's going to be this constant drumbeat for Mike Glennon's head if they lose if, if the Bears start one and two forget no, 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 oh no, boy no. His first incompletion well, is going to start. Oh, and one. No, uh, his first I incompletion. The first game, his first incompletion. Yeah. We want Trubisky. Is going to start immediately. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the schedule gods were thinking, but the Bears open up this season against the Falcons. Oh, God. And that defense is going to, oh, oh, boy. Oof. Yeah. Oh boy! Is that so, in Atlanta? I don't know, but that it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I was just going to take a, a, a guess on the point spread already in on April thirtieth. Um, oh I guess it doesn't yeah, let's matter, see if, really. that's, if that's in it. If that's in Atlanta, was that eight and a half? Is that a nice number? Uh, I think I might go double digits. I might go ten. Oh, in you don't see a lot of that in week one. Week no, you don't, but this is the Bears against the Falcons. <laughs> a team that's a little butthurt, and we're going to find out <laughs> if it's on a mission or if it's in the tank pretty, pretty quick, right? I mean. Right. A, a team that's you know, got all the, the yeah. youth and, and all the, the motivation in the world. Yeah. Yeah. If that if that team comes out in week one and they beat the Bears 47 to 6, all of a sudden you're like, oh, they might be a little mad about the Super Bowl. Or if they come out and the Bears blow them out, <laughs> you know, then you're like, oh, they've got a little, they've got Behind a little Mike hangover. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes, we'll know a lot about the Falcons if they go out and lay an egg again week one against the Bears. You, you, you can't tell you, you can't your, your season's never lost in week one. That season would be. Uh, I, Chicago Bears official website looking for their schedule. I have to solve that issue real quick. It won't take long at all. Uh, should take three seconds or so. I'm looking right at schedule and I'm clicking on it right now. And if it's at Chicago, I'd, I'd still put it at like uh, yeah, that's uh, that's at Soldier Field. Okay, Mike Glennon opened right, his so, career at yeah. Soldier Field. Hosting the NFC champion yeah. Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, they'll yeah, be, they'll be, be four or five six in that game. Yeah, I'd say four or five. You probably open at six, close around come four down or five. Yeah. That's probably my Mike Glennon games already? Six. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> I don't have anything um, else to look forward to for the fucking Bears season. So, yeah, I'm picking games already. Yeah. No, the, and this that was the one that jumped out at me, so I don't mind spending some time on this one. The idiocy there was the trading up one spot, how much they had to give up to trade up one spot. Two threes and a have, four. To then have the 49ers draft the guy that everybody said the Bears should have drafted. <laughs> the, the 49ers take Solomon Thomas, the defensive end from yes. uh, from Stanford. Right. Uh and and all the and I, actually Renard and I were communicating during the draft, or I, not actually I'm I'm confused getting confused of who I was talking to. I was talking to somebody else uh, on social media during the draft, 
and they were what I thought of the pick. And I said, you know, not impressed, but it's uh, the Bears have so many defensive needs, but there's so many guys in this draft defensively, and they're, they're, it's so deep. They'll 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 recover. They'll make it up. And then I, I said that, and I didn't really think about how many draft picks they gave up in order to get to that spot. No, they're not going to make it up. They're not going to have any picks left uh, once you get to the middle rounds because they gave them all up to move up one spot because they were afraid of what exactly. I don't know what. So that's why I say Ryan Pace, and I know I uh, is a little hyperbole when I say he's done in football if this pick doesn't work out, but he's done GMing. You don't really – jump around different GM jobs. That's not something people do is hire the same guy to be GM that was GM somewhere else. He's done as a GM in the NFL if this pick doesn't work out. He's not necessarily done in football. But clearly, clearly, clearly he thinks this is the guy. Because he, somebody may have, there was a rumor that somebody was going to move up to two ahead of them and take this kid, and he just lost his shit and panicked and, yeah. and crapped all over the floor and said, no, 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 no. I got to have him. I'll give you whatever you want. So he's pushing all in on Mitchell Trubisky. Like I said, no pressure, kid. That Everyone sees what they were doing, and everyone knows that this is the guy that they wanted, and everyone's going to know, even if he starts behind Mike Glennon, which I'm sure he will start behind Mike Glennon. Well, I shouldn't say I'm sure because Mike Glennon is bad, and I'm on yeah, record of saying Mike Glennon is bad. Yeah, he could be the better quarterback. I mean, that's not a stretch. His no, competition is Mike Glennon and butt fumble. <sighs> that's his competition. My my head's starting to hurt all of a sudden. Uh, by the way, they, no, uh, I, they cut to a draft party in Chicago on, on NFL Network, and half the crowd was clapping and cheering the pick. And half the crowd had their heads yeah. in their hands. And that's yeah. pretty apropos. I think that's that's yeah. probably how Chicago feels right now. I wish they had a camera on me. I was laughing my ass laughing off. Laughing your ass off. Uh no, <sighs> I think you called it. You, you called it. This is what I was uh, this is you pretty much took what I was gonna say is that I believe the 49ers were playing some high stakes poker with the Bears. And we're sitting there with a really lousy hand and bluffed the shit out of the Bears. I think the 49ers oh basically were sitting there going, oh, we got three teams waiting to jump ahead of you guys. Oh, you know, you know we don't want the quarterback, but you know, we got like we got this team or we got these guys or, you know, so, so-and-so. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to, no, 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 we'll give you whatever you want. Gotcha, you know. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know, they got the it's, Bears. They got the Bears to, yeah. And the 49ers could have very easily have sat there at number two and picked Solomon Thomas and the bears at three could have taken Trubisky. But I think that the 49ers and the bears were playing a game of chicken and the bears flinched. So you have any thoughts on, on Trubisky specifically? I mean, your, your laughter, I guess is, is your thoughts. (laughs) I guess that pretty much, uh, how do I even have tape on this guy? He's played like 10 games. Yeah, he hasn't started that many games. That's true. Uh, yeah, he was I, really good in the games he started. Again, a lot of, you know, I don't watch a lot of college football, but I mean, I, I know I, you, you hear stuff. 
but you hear stuff, you know, you, you watch enough of the shows. If you're watching any of the shows that are on, I, I, I'll have them on sometimes while I'm at work. I'll have on the, the, the PTIs or, or, or Dan Lebitard show or any of the talk shows, anything to do with sports. During the season, Not nobody was talking about Mitch Trubisky. Nobody. Nobody was talking about any of the quarterbacks. You know, this is this wasn't a situation like it was with the Jameis Winston season and Marcus Mariota. The probably the last time a few years ago that we actually had majorly hyped quarterbacks. Because last year with Wentz and with Jared Goff, it was very that was similar. Completely made up. They were yeah. talking about Laramie Tunsil going number one a month before the draft. All of a sudden, these two guys race up yeah. the charts. Yeah, the only the only quarterback coming out of that season, the, the entirety of the college football season, the only quarterback on my radar was Deshaun Watson because of the fact that they were the two championship games and he and he and he played his ass off in in, in a in a rematch to win the national title. Um that I thought you know should have I, I all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, great, Deshaun I'm walking out of the, you know championship game going Deshaun Watson's going to be the number one pick he's you know just knowing the way that these teams lose their shit for guys I'm thinking well you you can't he just slayed the dragon you know you can't do any better than what Clemson did to win that national title and it still wasn't enough to go ahead of Mitch Trubisky or Patrick Mahomes who I had no idea who he was I didn't either. I did not know Pat Mahomes had a kid throwing uh, college football, uh, playing quarterback uh, for college football. Pat Mahomes, you remember him, the the terrible I relief do. pitcher for the Twins? Yeah, absolutely. All of a sudden, I look up and, and oh my god, he's got a kid playing football, and he's people are losing their shit to to, to grab him too. So yeah, the Bears lose their shit to move up to to get Trubisky. The Kansas City Chiefs lose their shit, jump up to get Pat Mahomes' yep. kid. The, the Texans lose their shit, jump up to 12 to get Deshaun Watson because Tony Romo retired on them and ruined all their plans. So everybody lost their shit to jump up to get these quarterbacks. Nobody yeah. knew who any of them were two months ago. Yeah, and this is this, that that's the best one because the Texans basically paid the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, please. They gave the Cleveland Browns off our hands. stuff. They, to take Ostweiler away from Texans, you know, the Texans had to give up more than they got and give them the player. Um, you know, and I'm not one of these, I'm not a draft expert. I'm not a draft grade guy, but I got to say that Cleveland really did a good job. They, they were That's patient. The Everyone assumed was going to lose their shit and jump up to get one of these quarterbacks. Exactly. They were patient. They took the best player on their board. You got to figure each time. And but by the grades, like I'm looking at the same grades that you are on NFL.com, the Browns were getting quality players with all three of their first round picks. You know, the, the guys were, were grading out, and none of them were quarterbacks. Then on day two, they take their quarterback. And they end up probably getting this kid not- from Notre Dame. It was probably not any worse than these other three that got taken on day one. Who's no? All four of those guys very easily could all be lumped together. Um, obviously, if you're trying to look at the quarterbacks that were drafted as to who got drafted into the best situation, of course it's going to be the kid who went to the Texans. The Texans are a ready-made contender. 
That's right. So this is very similar to the same the same conversation you and I had last year about the Broncos not losing their shit and drafting Paxton Lynch, which we we, we still thought it was a stretch, especially you. I mean, we, we didn't see him as a first round guy or not for not for sure. But if you're going to get drafted to a, a franchise, well, you're going to go to the Super Bowl winning team that's basically coming back entirely intact. Um, and look at what a difference it made for the Broncos not being stable at the quarterback position. They didn't make the playoffs. There you go. I believe uh, I had moving that on from. <laughs> yes, you did. Moving on from the Trubisky nightmare to uh, uh, <laughs> you didn't lose. Uh, speaking of losing their shit, I totally expected you to. Yeah, uh, I'm sanguine about it. I suppose I just you know <laughs> apathetic. You're just eh. <laughs> it's, eh. the Bears. Only, only the Bears. Only the Bears. They moved up one spot. They gave up a bunch of mid round picks. They're probably going to squander anyway because they haven't been drafting that well. So I'm not quite as heard about that as I, as I could be. Although, like I said, I was trying to console another Bears fan telling him there's plenty of depth in this draft for defensive backs and the Bears should get their uh, share of, of, of those guys. They wound up drafting none of them. Um, so I, that's, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I'm sitting, here on the, I'm, I'm sitting here on the NFL page looking at the Bears positions of need. Right? Oh, God. Their number one position of need was cornerback, and they drafted none. Zero of them. In a draft chock full of them. In a draft that cast told us studs all up and down, lightened up all the wide receivers down at the combine. And the Bears looked at all of them and said, we need to have Mitchell Trubisky. Now, I I can't get worked up. I'm just kind of... I don't want I'm not I'm not done with them as a fan, but I'm but I'm sort of done caring about them that hard because why? You know? <sighs> this is, just, moving this on. is just what this is just what the Bears do, is what you're saying. Unfortunately, that's it's it's the Bears. That's all that's all I can say. Uh I was glad to see uh, Leonard Fournette get taken at four. He should have been eligible last year, but we had this stupid rule about three years uh, outside of, of high school before you can be eligible for the NFL draft. But he proved what he was made of a couple of years ago. And then last year he gets hurt and decides not to play the bowl game because he knows there's right. nothing in it for him. And he took a lot of gas for that initially, but it was good to see that he didn't drop very far, if, if at all, by making that decision. I don't know if you remember around the time that he made that decision. Oh, my God, the character, the lack of character that Leonard Fournette showed by not being there for his teammates when it was bowl time and not playing one more free game for LSU uh, instead of taking care of his body. This is going to really cost him because teams aren't going to know if they can trust him or not. That's a bad character flaw for Leonard Fournette, and there he goes, number four overall. So I was glad to see that. Yeah, and he's got it. It's tough. He's clearly going to be pro. He's thinking about his future. I mean, how many guys did we see get drafted who hurt themselves in the bowl games? Just saying, there's a few. There are a few guys that they're sitting there around in the tables in day two and day three of the draft, like, oh, this guy had this guy in my top 15 until he blew out his knee. 
you know, in the blah, blah, blah bowl that nobody gives a crap about. So I can't right. fault the guy. And it, it is obviously not going to hurt him because he's the fourth pick in the draft. He, he's going to get a, he's going to get paid. Yeah. It, it was, I was just kind of afraid that he might go tumbling down into the twenties or thirties because people go, Oh, the character issue and, and bullshit. So I was glad to see that the, uh, the Jaguar stepped up and, and rescued him early on from that. Uh, Tennessee, as we briefly talked about earlier, took uh, Western Michigan wide receiver Corey Davis and his 5,285 career receiving yards. Uh, yeah. I hope he gets busy early in his career with Tennessee because I don't think he's going to have nothing left on the back end of it. You don't think so? He's Not with that kind of mileage. Is, he's tired already? Well, you, you put that kind of beating on your body to, you know, trying to prove what you're worth. And I understand why you do it. You have to do it. If you're at Western Michigan, you have to put up unbelievable, crazy numbers to be considered drafted this high. Otherwise, you're just a guy. So I, I get that. But I'm just... I'm, I'm skeptical of guys who have these huge, huge workloads. They, they had the all-time leading uh, rusher in the NFL, wound up getting drafted on day three as well. Um, I don't see a long career for him either. I'm just, you know, those early workloads early in your, in your, in your life, especially for free like that on college campuses, that's a lot of your ability and, and your, your, your best days that you're giving away for free. Uh, to some coach who could, gear, could care less about you. I, I'm just that, – that's my feeling on Corey Davis. I hope he goes on to have a great career right. and, and proves me wrong, but I don't see it lasting very long. Well, here's the other side of that. If Corey Davis doesn't do all this and stay there and, and, and do everything that he did, is he the number five pick in the draft if he comes out last year? No, I get it. Like I or said, I understand the, why you do yeah, all that. He, yeah. So he busted it out and – yeah, he's making a name for himself, and he's the number five pick in the draft, and he's probably looking at some pretty sweet cash. These guys are all getting paid. Um, I, I believe that I saw um, one of the interviews, one of the the player interviews, when they were talking up on stage. That you know, somebody all of a sudden, uh, the the person would apparently come from a you know a tough background or something going on. And they told the guy how much money that his slot paid. I mean, yeah. and you were like, "Whoa!" Then it becomes <laughs> like, I, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. And they're talking about they just tell the guy like right out, like, "You're here's here's where your slot pays." The guy was like, "It's not about money," you know. He went right through that, but I was just like, "Wow!" That opened up my eyes a little bit. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to jump a little bit down the draft board here, uh, not because it's my team. But because uh, we had a we had a Richard Sherman moment with from Tack McKinley, <laughs> with that the picture of the ESPN? dead grandmother. Yeah, uh, the interview the interview was on NFL Network. Yep. But I on ESPN, you saw him. See on ESPN though, you saw him saying everything, but you saw the the Deion Sanders microphone shoved in his face. <laughs> okay. So you caught all of it with him yelling at the crowd or yeah. whoever he was yelling at. I don't know who he was yelling at, but he was yelling at somebody um, about he everything he did. And then, and then the next morning, um, I caught the full interview with all the bleeps and everything. Um, 
it kid, was live. Kid, kid was and, fired and up. Bleeped <laughs> on the NFL Network. <laughs> on the NFL Network, it was live and unbleeped. And he apologized so, as soon as he said it. He said, "Find me later," but but he he, yeah. he dropped the f bomb right in the middle of all of that. He was so a little was, intense. So I was, so I was watching uh, Dan Levitard on his show on uh, Friday. They were asking the question, you know, is he going to get fined? And the consensus was that they're probably going to let this one go. It's hard to find a guy who's up on stage standing there with a picture of his dead grandmother. He was a little fired up. You know, he was a little fired up. Hey, I hope he's that fired up going after the quarterback. You know, I hope he's that fired up on the, uh, you know, I do. I really do. Get, 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 go get Vic Beasley some help. Thank you. Um, Now, I don't think he's going to be able to rush the quarterback with the dead picture of his grandmother. <laughs> It'd be hard probably to, have to leave uh, that. Yeah. It's hard to probably turn the corner with a frame of the picture of somebody. Yeah. Uh, you can, Although if, if you could, you're the if old anybody could do can, it, I believe that this could get. <laughs> you can easily reach out and grab that frame and bring him down by that if he's not letting that go. So, yeah, that, that adds a little uh, little weight to the, to the yeah. situation. But yeah, yeah, he might. You know, he might. used to be like Reggie. Reggie White used to slap the guy's helmet. Now you got. Now this right. guy can bust a picture over a dude's head. Oh, he hit him with a picture. Yeah, he's gonna be going mm-hmm. New Jack out there. You know, hit a guy with a vacuum cleaner. Be Lou Albano at WrestleMania hitting guys in the in the head with picture with picture <laughs> frames. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so your Falcons uh, traded up to to add to their fast yeah. defense. Um, what he the direct quote is uh it means every fucking thing to me uh, and then he apologized and said find me later uh and that was yeah, yeah, completely he's, he's unedited uh yeah and then he dropped another f-bomb when he said he's gonna go get the fucking quarterback i don't uh, what happened to the seven second delay i thought you uh i thought you were able to, to fix those things on live <laughs> oh, tv i don't i don't know what happened to that Someone's out getting a sandwich. I, I guess. I, I guess. Um, it, it was it was entertaining to me, that's for sure. So yeah, good yeah, good luck no, to your, so, your guy, Tack McKinley. Yeah, because after after the two trade up, the three trade ups, I'll call for the quarterbacks, it, we kind of you always kind of hit that soft middle of the first round, and and then that sort of finished with a little with a little flourish there because um, everybody else after that was pretty much just yeah everybody after that was pretty much just doing work well you're about to go into alien voice so i'll take that opportunity to uh, read down my first round impressions real quick on on these guys first of all mayock after that fifth pick uh cory davis uh his quote was i've been wrong all friggin' night so he was starting to get ornery real early um, and he was looking kind of silly. I'm sure he was one of those character guys as far as Fournette thinking he was going to drop really far. And then after he gets uh, taken fourth, he's probably throwing his pin up in the air going, oh, okay, what the hell? I guess it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, Deion Sanders interviews haven't changed. Uh, same deal. Doesn't really ask him any questions. Just says, you've been blessed. You've been through a lot. I'm sure your mama is very proud of you. God bless you, son. God bless you. And then he hugs him and then, then smiles in his face. And, and that's about the end of that. Uh, so that part hasn't changed. And that part can be cut anytime from the NFL network. I'm, I'm through with that. I'm over it. I'm done with it. Uh, the San Diego, LA, California chargers. 
Um, I, I like Big Mike Williams, the receiver. I think he's going to be a major target instantly for Phillip Rivers. I like that pick a lot. Uh, I am not cool with Carolina taking Chris McCaffrey. Uh, when Cam gets his ass kicked every Sunday and you ignore any offensive lineman on the board, and that's not just the Panthers. A, a lot of people were ignoring offensive linemen because I think only one got taken in the first round, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as I look down the list here. Uh, it was a weird night for offensive linemen. They were not being valued at all, uh, too. The, the the guy at the very last pick was a was a lineman as well. I think there was two offensive linemen taken in the entire first round. I've never seen offensive linemen go that low uh, in a draft before, where there's only two in the first round. There's usually like eight or nine of them, it seems. Uh, Cincinnati uh, is the team that decided to take Mr. Speedy, John Ross. Uh, you know, I talk about those combine guys when they go all out and set these records and break all the speed records and, and then they get on the field and, they, oh, you mean I have to actually play football now? I, I can't just do combine runs and 40-yard and dashes? I have to actually play the game now? The, not the game. Not the game. Yes, you have to play the game. All these wide receivers that were going high, uh, even though, Kaz, again, it reminded me of that conversation with Cass, who was saying that they were the receivers were busters. She basically said the receivers this year were busters, and, and the DBs were the, the real men down there. So it's something to watch. I will definitely be keeping an eye, an eye on these early receivers that got drafted this year and to see what, uh, what gets made of them. Um, and then Kansas City jumping up for Pat Mahomes' kid. Uh, Mayock. His quote about Pat Mahomes the second, big armed gunslinger like Brett Favre. So circle Pat Mahomes and keep an eye on him, and we'll see uh, how yeah. that works out. <laughs> That's definitely no, Brett something. Favre wasn't a, Brett Favre wasn't a first round pick. No, he wasn't. Nobody uh, traded up twenty spots or whatever to take Brett Favre. Uh, it's funny how these teams fell back into sort of what they what they normally do. Uh, Cincinnati going for John Rawls, going for, you know, a lot of flash in the pan and maybe not a lot of substance. Uh, Houston jumping for a quarterback. Arizona taking Hassan Reddick because they just had to be all over another hybrid cover everything linebacker. It's like that's that's all they know how to draft. So it struck me how these teams really sort of you can tell their styles now. It's like the teams in our fantasy league. After a while, you can tell their styles. You can tell <laughs> what kind of guy they want and who they're going to be interested in. Uh, I don't know if we're just watching and paying attention more than we ever have in our lives, but it, it's getting almost sort of predictable with some of these guys. Yeah, but just, you know, each coach, especially if there's any stability with the franchise, the coaches have their guys, they have their tendencies. Um, you know, the Cardinals are are getting a little old and soft and losing people at the linebacker position. So it makes sense that they would turn and, and, and look for someone at that position. Funny thing, though, with Carson Palmer, man in the helm there for the Cardinals, I didn't see the Cardinals losing their shit and jumping up 15 spots for a quarterback or trading away half their draft. They addressed their needs. They, they, they actually looked at their team overall and said, Hey, we're, we're, you know, and that's one of the things right towards the end of the first round on a lot of the ESPN coverage that I was a little on the radio and then over on the TV side, they said, yeah, this isn't the, other than the trades and the quarterback moves, this isn't the flashiest drafts. You're seeing a lot of teams 
which is why it's so hard to grade off players because teams are drafting for the positions that they need, you know, the, the or for where they're weak. So sometimes that means that, hey, if, if you're a team and you're picking and you're not picking again for another 32 picks or sometimes more with trades, you never know, you know, maybe you're maybe you have a guy that's slotted at 25. But you know, on your board or but he's the guy who fits your team the best. And now all of a sudden you're at, at, at 15 or 13 or wherever you are and you draft that guy. It's because you're drafting to your need. There might be other position players that are better, but maybe you're set at that position. So that's why the draft, that's what, that's why the mock drafts are so useless. I think they were all blown up after like the first two or three. Well, yeah, at two, (laughs) I think it was blown up at two. As soon as the bears and 49ers flip flop, the whole thing is blown up because now, and and of course, every time a team reaches, that starts moving these other guys down the board, and that's where you see teams making in the middle round, in the middle of the first round, I should say, in the middle of the round, you start studying teams that are making value picks. And now all of a sudden all these guys are getting all the the hype because everybody else had to jump up to get a need position or a, 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 what they think is a need position. I mean, we have three out of the first 15 are quarterbacks, although – you know, by anyone's estimation, they were great. The first, none, of, none of the first 15 players were quarterbacks. So that means you've just bumped all that better talent farther down the line to other teams. And they're the ones who end up making right. Yeah, Jonathan Allen falls to the Redskins at 17. Uh, yeah. And OJ Howard, the first tight end taken falls to Tampa Bay. Another big target for Jameis Winston. So yeah, all these things have chain reactions. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, that's, you know, it's going to be something to watch this year. Mm-hmm. They are definitely, they are definitely stocking that cabinet for their quarterback. No doubt. Uh, Philly with the, the, the world's, not the world's, but this show's most uh, interesting draft pick, the pick itself, because it's the Sam Bradford pick. It's the, the the trade that you criticized the moment it happened as one of the worst you've ever seen. A number one pick to Minnesota. Sam Bradford, uh, Minnesota's number one pick to Philadelphia in exchange for Sam Bradford. So with that pick, the Eagles used it on a defensive end, Derek Barnett. And that's one of those, I don't know if that's the one that you were talking about where they went panning towards the uh, the, the green room and caught somebody on the phone crying. But Barnett, when they made the pick, they, they on NFL Network, they go right to him, and he's just overcome. He can't even put his head up because he's on the, he's got the phone in his left hand, and his head is down between his legs, and he's just sobbing. He can't even get up and, and go get his jersey. And, of course, my thought process is I'd be overcome, too, at the thought of playing in Philadelphia, but that's just me. <laughs> that's, it's not like that's a that, – that's not a wasteland. Of football, I mean, that's not like you got drafted by the Jaguars. No, it's not or quite that bad. You didn't get drafted by the Browns or the Jaguars or the Rams. No, but it's still sort of a football hell to me because no matter how good they get, they're they're not going to be next level. They're not going to go over the top. I don't see it anyway. Do you, well, do you see them finishing? It. You see them finishing ahead of the Cowboys, and you know I hate the Cowboys. 
But do you see them finishing ahead of the Cowboys in the next five years ever? Because I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, I have trouble putting them. I mean, if somebody came up to me today and said, hey, you got to rank all the teams in the NFC East, I think most people would rank them third or fourth in that division. Right. You know, so that's tough. But I don't think he's crying because he's an eagle. Maybe Derek Barnett gives them the lift they needed. Really? You never know. You really don't know. <sighs> there could be somebody who was drafted in the fifth round who's going to come in and make a huge impact. There's always that guy, right? You're right. What do I know? The guy might have 16 sacks his rookie year. We, we just don't know who it's going to be. I mean, we could be sitting there. Uh, you go through these guys. You're looking. It's funny because I'm looking through the list and nobody's jumping out at me. It's like, oh, this guy's going to be really good, you know? And uh, that is that is fun to go back like week eight or nine or so, and yeah. whoever the rookie or the two or three rookies that are really making a name for themselves, you go back and look at the draft list and go, oh, that kid, oh, okay, I never heard of him before the draft, but he, I see what he's all about now. So, did anybody give? You know, I, I gave the my draft steal this last year, Jordan Howard, fifth round pick. Nobody yeah. gave a shit about him. The year before oh. that, it was Stephon Diggs. Nobody gave a shit about Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Had any idea who that guy was right so there are going to be multiple impact players from day three of the draft that are going to come in and make a, a huge impact for their teams and it could be it could be a lineman that we never hear about you know it, it could be a safety you just don't know it could be from anywhere you know you, you got to usually figure that your day three guys are mostly playing special teams Right, but, but there there could somebody be somebody an impact there. Yeah, Some, somebody could so come my, in and do it. My home state Titans grab a, a playmaking cornerback, a Dory Jackson, uh, and that's a, a a much needed ball hog DB. Something like I don't know the Chicago Bears could have used, uh, who uh, who can maybe even be a wild card running back. They were showing some of his uh, many uses that he had when he was in school at USC, uh, they even had him swinging out of the backfield a little bit. So the Titans assembling playmakers, uh, they're on the upswing as well. Yeah, well, you can't have your best wide receiver be Delaney Walker. <laughs> you can only, you, well, you can. You can only go so far doing that, but you absolutely can get away with that for a while anyway. Delaney Walker's uh, not like Gronk. Delaney Walker's a... He's there, Gronk. Top, he's a yeah, but he's, he's a what, top ten tight end in the league. He's a very good player, but that's that's an indictment of that wideout group more yes. than anything else. You know, they so try? Mariota needs. So they went. And they got this Corey Davis. Um, they've got the running game. They've got the O line. You know, and you know, in Tennessee, another another team that we watched kind of go through those ups and downs in a very weak division. You know, we're talking about Tampa. We're so we're talking about these, you know, a couple of these few teams that are teams that didn't quite make the playoffs, but they're doing the right things to maybe make that push. 
And there's two teams right there making impact, you know, trying to surrender. And, and look at those two quarterbacks that are being surrounded. The guys we already talked about earlier in the show, Winston and Mariota, right? Yeah. Team guys, guys who got drafted high were may have been a reach, but at least they were those those were safer reaches than any of the guys who got taken today. I'm gonna go. I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that. And here we are, a few years later, and now these teams are looking at putting some of the final pieces in place for playoff pushes. This is hear about- more how it's supposed to be. Did you hear about the guy that the Bears drafted uh, in the second round to put a piece around Trubisky? Did you hear about this guy? Tight end. It's so it's so I Bears. His his oh, name is Adam Shaheen. Okay. And the first thing you find out about this the guy, I mean, you talk about nobody knows who he was. He is. He was drafted out of Ashland College, so the complete nobody, right? The first thing anyone finds out about him publicly is about 15 seconds after he gets drafted, it's made public that he had a tweet from when he was, I think, 15 years old that said, quote, I hate Barack Obama with an unhealthy passion, unquote. Oh, Welcome wow. to Chicago, kid. <laughs> All places to get drafted, having that on your on your profile. And of course, being the real stand-up man that he is, he stood up and explained exactly what he meant by that. I'm completely fucking yeah. kidding. Of course, he took the tweet down and hasn't said anything about it. That's almost as good as the Packers fourth round pick from BYU who got kicked out of BYU for having sex. Well, they knew that when they drafted him, though, right? Well, yeah, but still. You got kicked yeah, out of college for having sex. That tells you something, right? So, talking about, of course, I, I work with a bunch of Packer fans. They're like, "Yeah, that guy kicked out of BYU for having sex." I'm like, "Wait, that's Utah. That's Mormon state. Yep. Was he? Maybe, maybe, maybe he got kicked out of BYU for being in a, a monogamous relationship." No, I I, I, re, I don't remember the guy's name, but no, it was pretty much straightforward. Like, <laughs> no. he had he had a yeah. girlfriend. And they had yeah, sex, how do you... and they're not married, and therefore you have okay. to get kicked out of school. I want to know how this goes down, that you get busted for, for banging your girlfriend in college. I mean, did she turn him in? Did he just have like a, a – did his conscious do, consciousness do him in? Was the to, hall monitor walking by and the, and the sock – was the sock on the doorknob? And then that's the big kid. <laughs> I mean, what's going on here? Hey, it's Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. What does that yeah. mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know all the details behind it, but I do know that Brigham Young does have rules like that. Like, you you can't do you can't do that. You can't actually enjoy the the fruits of a woman that you're having relations with unless you marry her first, which is yet another reason to stay the fuck out of Utah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Speaking of Utah. Here the- well, the Packers here, hometown, though, by the way, uh, 10 draft picks. Wow, right? It's a lot of picks. Two of those draft picks, two out of the 10 were defensive secondary players. I seem to remember being at a game where the Packers could have used a lot more guys in the secondary. True, Just but saying. at the same time, 
but at the same time, do you want four or five rookie DBs running around for you next year? They do it every year. This is the Packer way. <laughs> they did draft three yeah, running backs because the, Ty Montgomery's got a lot of job security. The Packers drafted three <laughs> running backs. I hope he's in the gym as we speak. Uh, they, yeah, I understand that the Packers don't exactly go deep in free agency for help, but no. I, I think they might be willing to do that uh, in this case for, for defensive back help. Cause I don't know if Aaron Rodgers would be happy trying to contend with five or six defensive backs uh, who are complete rookies running around next year. Cause it might be even uglier than it was this year, as ugly as this year was. I think the way they did it with the couple of sort of highly ranked DBs and, and keep it and sort of cap it there. I don't, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say it's the greatest thing they could have done, but I understand what they did. I, 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 I would be afraid as well to have more than a, a couple of rookie DBs come in next year and try to help my team. Cause you got guys out there, you're going to have to sort of, balance out what that that one terrible db whose whose name escapes me right now uh did for you last year ladarius you know, gunter ladarius gunter he played a lot more than they expected him to they did not want him out there and yet they had to because they didn't have a choice so you're gonna have to have some veteran leadership come in and sort of fill in and and, and do what he couldn't do for you in a pinch and then you start trying to replace Sam Shields. Uh, is he coming back? Is he is he back this year? or Is he still recovering? Um, I don't know if he's ever coming back. That that yeah, that's, feels. That was, yeah, that, when you start messing with the neck and, and the spine or whatever it is that he's got going on, that that starts to feel like uh, you know thanks but no thanks kind of thing. It, so you draft a couple of guys to sort like, of replace yeah, that physically. Yeah, that's Darren Sharper without the rape. Oh, jeez. So, so uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with them only having a couple of, of newbies coming in because too many of them, and, and it's going to look ugly like it did last year again. Yeah. Like I said, well, did uh, you? Uh, of- well, and speaking, you know, we've been on the you know the the police blotter here. The guys who you know we got the guy gets the kicked out of school for sex we got the guy with the uh, conley with the allegations um your bengals they drafted joe mixon yeah who else only the, the bengals once again going so back to teams sort of doing what they yeah. do and you can almost tell yeah. who they are by doing what they do yeah so immediately espn has the tape ready right so so trey oh. wingo's and then trey wingo gives about- like a Trey Wingo gives like a three-minute trigger warning. <laughs> we just have to tell you that this is this is highly graphic, and oh man, he is so overselling a video of a girl hitting a guy and getting punched back. But he's doing a great job with with the trigger warning, and I got to tell you, he was mixing it up pretty good in that tape. No, I I heard that they played the tape, and I was kind of shocked. 
that they would do that. They definitely did not play the tape uh, on NFL Network. Uh, they obviously had uh, old man Mayock to go crazy and talk about character and this, that, and the other. Yeah. So they didn't really have to play the tape. Uh, but yeah, back to your point of Cincinnati, uh, another home for wayward and undisciplined men. This is ridiculous, man. This is just, uh, you, you don't do this unless your coach is proven to be the type of guy that doesn't care about character. And so Marvin Lewis, who will never get fired from Cincinnati, apparently, uh, here's another pick for, for Marvin Lewis and his really undisciplined team. And it just fits right in. And they're never going to win anything of significance because their coach doesn't believe in character at all. And I'm not the guy arguing for character, okay? I'm not the guy standing up here saying you have to. I just made the argument for taking Gary and Conley, who may have raped somebody, and I don't give a fuck. If he can play, he can play. But at the same time, there's got there's got to be some kind of limit on how many guys you take that have questionable character because eventually you're going to have a team full of guys that don't give a damn about anything and just brawl and run roughshod over everyone and, and wind up suspended and in jail and everything else. And that's not good either. I'm, I'm great with taking guys who have great talent who may have questionable character. I I guess there's a tipping point where the, the, the character overcomes the talent and I think we've seen that on the Bengals already. Joe Mixon may not be that. He, his talent may overcome his character. But Vontez Perfect, so far in his career, I think you have to say his character has overcome his talent. Adam Jones, yeah. so far, his character has overcome his talent. And his, his, his age is such that his talent isn't going to get any better. He's never going to be a better football player than he was a couple of years ago. And his character continues to be something below the the surface, something not very great. So his character is going to wind up overcoming his talent when it's all said and done. And and now Joe Mixon, that's my problem with it is if your character weighs more than your talent, when you get out on the field, that's when the problems really come. So that's the issues that I have with the Bengals. Yeah. And again, it's a three year old uh, tape. I did not realize that. I, I, I hadn't had the perspective yeah, of history a, on this adjudicated one. for a long time. Yeah. So so twenty fourteen. So you figure uh you know, now knowing a lot about Joe Mixon. Um well, let's take a look here. Joe Mixon. Oh you look at his bio, it doesn't tell you how old he is, but you gotta figure that this <laughs> is probably something that this kid did when he was what, seventeen, eight eighteen? Just on 19? college campus. Right? Yeah. Something like that. So you, he did something stupid. And, you know, he's got the whole, re- in the, 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 like, <laughs> we've all done something stupid. <laughs> you know, everyone's done something stupid. Um, You know, and it's funny because I don't know if I'd ever seen the video. I'd heard about it. But, you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a defender of anybody who punches somebody. But he, this girl gets up. She's all over him. She's putting his hands on him. She's pushing him and she's hitting him. And he's like, you know, bitch. He just does the old get off me. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know, you, 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 you can't. He didn't just walk up to this girl and just cold cocker. I'm not defending what he did, but I'm just saying you're talking about a, you know, a kid, you don't know what the, what the deal is, what the story is. And all of a sudden here's this girl jumps up from her seat and she's pushing them and hitting them. And he hit back. So, 
No, nobody's, you know, if this was the other way and, you know, this, this is why this is, this is where all the equality stuff always, I, I get lost in all the equality stuff with like the, you know, with the feminism and the women's rights. Everybody wants the equality until a woman gets hit. You can hit guys. I'm though. equal. I'm equal. I'm completely equal. Yeah. He hit me. <laughs> so I guess you are kind of on my side. You do see where I'm going here. I, it was I'm, okay for it was okay for her to be all up in his face and hitting him and slapping him and pushing him. But as soon as he hit her, he's a monster. Well, I'm 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 straddling the fence. I'm of the I guess personally, <laughs> I don't touch women yes. at all. No matter what they no, do to no, me. No, no. I mean, there's, there's, there's the chivalrous. There's the chivalrous side that says that you just don't do that. But then there's also got to be that other side that says what's what, what's good for one, you know, has to be good for both. You know, not even specifically to that issue. I'm definitely of the the opinion of I don't care if he murdered somebody. If he if he can play, he can play, and I want him on my team. So that <laughs> I don't care about. So if you're the Bengals, maybe that. you're sitting there going, "Yes, he punched her in the face." Now we're going to get a we're going to get a first round running back in the second round. I think that's exactly what they said. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he dropped because of his character issue, and now we can take him. I think that's exactly right. what they did. That's like when we always talked about the uh, when you would, when you always talk about the weed guys, right? Warren Sapp, Randy Moss, yeah, dropped in the draft yeah. because of weed issues. How their careers Hall of turn fame. out? Hall of Fame, I believe, I believe for both. They're both Hall of Famers. Uh, yeah, we got Laramie Tunsil last year. He's blessed. He's still blessed. Um, He's still blessed. Wearing the gas mask, doing bong hits or whatever it was. But uh, by all indications, he so he's one hell of a lineman. And just so blessed. He's Joe Mixon, uh, for the for the record, is twenty. He'll be twenty-one in July. Um, okay. And this happened in 2014, I think late 2014, which would put him at what 18 years old. So yeah. 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 Well, there you go. It, it'll either it'll either haunt him for the rest of his life, and he gets to be a Leonard Phillips type, you know. Oh. Lawrence Phillips. Lawrence Phillips. Yeah. Uh, he gets to be a Lawrence Phillips type, and you know, and crash and burn, and be out of the league, and oh well. You know, he's always the guy who punched that girl or it's the redemption story. Yeah. And we all love our redemption stories, right? That's why these guys get drafted. I mean, the little league in a league with 1600 players, you're going to have a few guys that are redemption stories. You're going to have a few guys percentage wise that have hit women. (laughs) Just saying, he just got caught. Not just that, but, but the, the sport that they play, you're going to have violent offenders. Yes, yes, because they sport. Foot, they're that's a violent sport. Right. They're a lot of these guys are on something. Just oh, saying. Yeah. Now, round no, two. No, they're all natural. What are you talking about? Come on. How much of round two and round three did you watch? Um, I watched most of it. I just didn't have any really notes about them. Round two, the one note I had oh, literally I was Joe Mixon. Uh, my note for round two and round three is, oh, my God, what is up with the illiteracy of the dudes that were <laughs> reading the the draft? One guy did the Jets chant and misspelled Jets. No. Yes. Did he do, do Jest? No, I think it was J-E-T-E. 
Yeah. It was either J-E-T-E or J-E-T-G. He totally, <laughs> totally misspelled Jets doing the Jets chant. Um, a lot of the guys were kind of mumbling their way through the card like they couldn't read it because there were no cheerleaders on standby to come and read the card for them. It was pretty yeah. sad having a lot of these guys, current players and former players, up there trying to read the card. I don't know if it was CTE or whatever it is, but these guys could not get through the card. You know, like the guys are reading the year off and like, in the 2000 NFL draft, I mean, they're literally like just mumbling their way through, and then the what, and, and then to have some. You should YouTube this. I'm sure it's all over the place. The guy gets up there and he's giving a speech about the Jets and misspells Jets while he's doing the J E T S chant. <laughs> oh, I, I missed that, unfortunately. <laughs> Classic. Now, MVP I don't, of the I don't draft. Know they have CTE. I, I know they have NFL. They, they're all played in the NFL, and they sound like. <laughs> Did you happen to catch the Drew Pearson speech? Oh yeah, talked about that, that in the open stuff. Thing. That was that good. was just full on bad guy. I was in bed. I was in bed. It, uh, you know, sorry, I was in bed for the first ten minutes of the show. You got to give me a break, you know. <laughs> I understand. It was his heel turn. It was, and he did a good job. Yeah. Oh my God, he was awesome. The they interviewed him afterwards. The crowd was just—you could see he was being fueled by the crowd. And the more they gave it to him, the more he gave it back. I'll, I'll tell you what—I'll bet you Eagles fans respect the hell out of Drew Pearson now. It, it just feels like that kind of thing. He dedicated the pick to every Cowboys player before and after. Yeah. And he thanked the Eagles for putting him in the Hall of Fame. He thanked the <laughs> Eagles for his career. That was, yeah, that was pretty good. That, that would have been like Mike Schmidt thanking the Cubs in <laughs> his Hall of Fame induction speech. I want to thank the Chicago Cubs fans for my career. Because every time yeah. you booed me, it made me want to beat you motherfuckers even more. So thank you for that. Yeah, I want to thank you for 150 of my home runs all coming against you guys. <laughs> or what, you know, Because that's the way it felt. But yeah, I, I, I didn't, yeah, since I missed the first, you know, the open of the show, you know, I, I, I did want to bring it that out. Uh, no, I was just throwing out general topics to talk about when my partner joined the show, whenever that was going to be. So Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, here's where I got screwed up. Uh, I ended up having the day off work today. Okay. Which was good because I ended up having this issue all day, um, which, is still, which is still a great issue because one of my feet is twice the size of the other one right now. Jeez, it's really dude, what you do. I don't know. I don't know if I got like snake bit or something in my sleep or say you crawl through poison ivy or something. Tarantulas in this place or something. Oh. Um <laughs> I'm in the Amazon, you know, doing this call. Me and me and Bear Grills are hanging out. <laughs> don't eat anything he gives you. But that was that was you no, know, I'm not drinking my own pee. Um <laughs> But yeah, there's nothing like laying there in bed, looking, you know, I'm sitting there with my phone, watching stuff on YouTube and checking baseball scores, you know, 
And all of a sudden, I get the little text alert on the top of my phone. And like, you know, we got a show, right? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, it's Sunday. Uh-oh. Oh. It is Sunday. The only day we could do it. Well, it was the best day. It wasn't the only yeah, day, well, but it's the best day. This actually worked out pretty no, well. Kinda, I have a feeling that. It kind of was the only day because I didn't have a voice until like yesterday, pretty oh, much. Yeah. Yeah, and then I was I, I just did a three I did a three day stretch here of thirteen hour days in a row. Um Wow. You know, so I had three days in a row where I was out the door at eight AM and home at nine PM. I did that three days in a row. That that's three long days. I didn't see my kids for three days. Man. So then we're driving, you know, I'm driving home last night and uh my boss is like, you know, he tells me, he's like, you know what? You've just worked a long stretch here, you know, it's gonna be a quiet day tomorrow. Why don't you just take it? You know, take a vacation day. I was like, all right, you know, take a vacation. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> right. You know, because fortunately I'm off tomorrow too. So even if I wake up in the morning and, you know, and I'm still like, you know, hot dog fingers and, you know, my, you know, club feet, I'm still going to be uh, home at least. So I can at least relax and be in bed and not have to worry about walking around all day. That's good. So I never had I never had the gout like you had, but I got to tell you, when you got a foot that's really swollen, it hurts to walk. It's not fun. Um, it sucks. This, <laughs> uh, that's what I've got the the last couple days. Uh, I finally got over that sickness, and now my right ankle's swollen. So, it, but oh. I know it's not. I know it's not the gout again because I finally actually went to a doctor and had them. Uh, x-ray it and look at it and see what was going on and just the guy told me it was just a bunch of arthritis and bone spurs so but not gout so that's i guess that's good so just take some anti-inflammatories and go from there but yeah as you remember i've always had like foot and and swelling issues but had not been having those issues for the last couple years ever since i put some inserts in my shoes but for some reason after this illness it finally started to get back from that and just my foot decides to start hurting and then I wake up and it's swollen and I can't move it so but finally trying to get over that a little bit I'm sitting here uh, uh, in a walking boot uh, that they gave me oh, at the nice. clinic so I've been walking around on that all day and trying to get healthy to get ready to go on uh, on this trip to Florida tomorrow to rent this condo for a week so Oh, I, did, about the I worst didn't time. even know. No wonder we're doing the show tonight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I didn't have a voice until today, and then tomorrow I'm out of town. So, so wait a minute. Right does this mean? Does this mean that our next show is going to be you two hours telling us how much Florida sucks? Two whole hours. I promise you, I'm not doing a whole show about the the condo trip. I'll I'll talk about it a little bit, but I won't waste your time for a whole hour or two hours. And I'll, I'll try not to hey, complain I, all about the whole. I, <laughs> it wasn't my time. I was worried about you wasting. <laughs> I'm trying not to waste you, the listener's time, uh, bitching and moaning about the the process but, of running but, a car. But really, though, I just loved. I love it because you talk about how much it's, everything sucked, and then every ten minutes you'd go, "But I had a great time." I did, but everything sucked. And let me tell you, wow, again for another. So I'm going to go on another 15 minute segment of how everything <laughs> sucked, and then I'm going to end that segment by going, "But we really had a good time." But it really was a great, a great time. Absolutely. Yeah. So Florida, yeah, where, whereabouts, where, whereabouts are you going to Disney World? Or what are you doing? I'm going to Pensacola. And the problem with that is that 
completely randomly like a couple of months ago uh, on Bernstein and golf, uh, the sports talk show out, up in Chicago, they were having some discussion about something that brought a lot of stupid, virulent racists to their text line and just completely random out of the blue. Dan Bernstein goes, we're having a racist Olympics on our text line today. Where should the racist Olympics be held in America? Probably like Pensacola, Florida or something. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> really? You know, Northern, Northern Florida. Or the Panhandle. We'll, we'll go Panhandle of Florida because that's where you're going to be. For yes. for folks who don't know, and the Panhandle of Florida is more deep south. People think of Florida as a little more, you know, blue state. Although they 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 went Trump this time, but but people think of Florida as a little more like California, but on the East Coast in general, yeah, or more just retirees and things like that, but not in the People panhandle. Think of, think of it as like Miami it, it represents no. the whole state of Florida, which it doesn't. Yes. There's a reason why the panhandle is bordered by Alabama. Alabama and Mississippi and Georgia. Mississippi and Georgia. <laughs> you know. That, so the, yeah. Just saying. Just saying. Ed, so you're in that part of the country. You know, so... I was aware already fun. that I'm driving through Mississippi and Alabama to get there. So it's not like I'm completely uh, blind to it, but it, just, it yeah. just really of all the places in America to pick the racist Olympics to be held, you just throw out Pensacola, Florida. Like, come on, man, what are you doing to me? So, so. yeah, it should be, uh, <sighs> yeah, do you, you should be doing yourself a favor and stopping in New Orleans on the way. Get some beignets and some po' boys and, Oh, that'd be swinging. Uh, that'd be swinging a little bit out go, of the way. Well, yeah, because you'd end up. You'd have to go due south to hit the right. hit New Orleans, and then and then cut across. No, no, you're probably doing a little bit more angular thing through. Yeah, um, Going through which is the way, which is the proper, which is the proper way to do it. You go down Mississippi, you cut over in Alabama. And, I'm not exactly looking forward to driving through the state of Mississippi, but and Alabama. And I've never been to Alabama. Yeah, and I've never been to Alabama at never? all. Not even just driving through. You know? uh, it's Mississippi, <laughs> Mississippi East. Yes, if you call whatever. it East Mississippi, East Mississippi, <laughs> I wouldn't call it West Georgia. I'd call it East Mississippi. If you get what I'm saying, <laughs> I, I do. So I won't complain about all of that, but I'm not exactly looking forward to some aspects of it. Yeah. But we're going to I, have I a good time in- nonetheless. I was just in Georgia when we drove down to Atlanta area for the for the for the NFC chat. I, I actually have to say that area that I was in in Atlanta and then in the northern areas there, very pretty area, very nice. Um I actually enjoyed northern Georgia quite a bit. Well, you would. You you have the complexion for it. Oh boy. I'm just saying. <laughs> We will get I, back I, at all. I, could, my, I will tell you, privilege travels, my friend. <laughs> I've heard. <laughs> we'll get back at all of you sometime after I get back, if I make it back, if I survive the trip. He's Jay. I'm Dre. This has been Kings of Non Sequitur, the off season version of it, much less detail the podcast. Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you a little later on, probably in a couple of weeks.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.